on the Arts Report. In the House Festival, Irish tenor Anthony Kearns, local band Darker the Sky, the play Why Torture is Wrong, and the people who love them, Cantoria, a concert, and Douglas Copeland's archives. Ah, I made it. I didn't think I could list all of today's show uh, and make the music, but I did. Um, All right, welcome to the show. It is June the 2nd, and this is, of course, the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at CITR.ca. I'm your host, Adam Jansch, and today we have a very, very full, full show uh, which is great. Uh, before we start, uh, a few things to tell you about. One of which is Music Waste 2010. This June, for about the price of a six-pack, Vancouverites can discover some of the most innovative art and music happenings and help Music Waste celebrate their 16th birthday. Uh, music Waste is a huge festival of independent music that happens uh, all over Vancouver. And it's uh, a wonderful thing. And you should pick up the latest uh, Discorder magazine because there is a guide to this year's uh, Music Waste, um, which features not only music, but also has art, Art Waste, a series of exhibitions taking place at independent galleries across the city, as well as Comedy Waste, a series of comedy reviews featuring Vancouver's best alternative comics, improvisers, and sketch groups, and Go Your Own Waste, To keep the festival inclusive, we invite artists who were not selected by the curators to book their own show during the festival and allow Music Waste to promote it. So it's huge, and it starts uh, today and goes on until Sunday. And like I said, you should pick up Discorder magazine for for more information. Uh, You can also go to... uh, Here we go. uh, Musicwaste.tumblr.com slash schedule. Uh, You can probably just Google Music Waste as well uh, for more information on that. Uh, It's going to be wonderful, and you should go. Uh, Some other news to uh, quickly cover is is a play called The The Wool Gatherer, which is already running. I just found out about it, and it's very interesting for me, especially because I am working on a play that uh, is written by the same person. Um, and his name is William Mastro Simone, or Mastro Simone. Um, I don't know how to pronounce his name correctly. I apologize, William, sir. Uh, but uh, he's, I highly recommend this play, right? Because he is an excellent writer of deep and rich and, and very flawed characters who um, often uh, who have great conflicts uh, on the stage, and it's very dramatic and very deep. Uh, it, there's always um, a lot of great metaphors and allusions to to Greek mythology and and things like that. Uh, he's really a, should be much better known. And uh, this play is called The Wool Gatherer, and uh, the blurb is Just Cause Collective presents The Wool Gatherer, a play concerning the unexpected attraction between Cliff, a lonely and wisecracking trucker, and Rose, a painfully empathetic woman who works in a five-and-dime while cultivating her dreams from an apparently commonplace encounter, a moving duet that travels from defensiveness and distrust, parrying and deception, to real contact. Yeah. So, for more information on that... Oh, boy. Ah, you can go to spectraltheater.com 
Uh, tickets are available at brownpapertickets.com. And it's running from June the 4th till the 7th. So June 4th, 5th, 6th, and 7th. Tickets are $15. Sundays are pay what you can. Doors at 7.30 and shows begin at 8 p.m. So check that out. And one more thing to tell you about is uh, that's still running is Mump and Smoot. Uh, I had a chance to see the opening of Mump and Smoot, which is... Um, a dark comedy clown show that features, if you don't know, uh, a pair of kind of, um, I don't know how to describe them, uh, dark clowns who are live in their own planet and speak their own language. And um, they uh, go into some really, really dark uh, death, death-related territory in this show, and uh, it was uh, quite funny and quite entertaining, I must say. But things kept going awry during the opening, and uh, what was kind of delightful about it was that they incorporated every foible and every error into their show, um, and uh, so that was quite interesting. But I heard that in subsequent shows things also went awry and that they incorporated it into their show, which makes me wonder if the mistakes aren't really mistakes, if they are uh, carefully choreographed uh, pseudo-errors that uh, are actually part of the show. Um, I'm curious if, if any of you have heard or have seen Mump and Smoot uh, not on the opening and uh, have also experienced errors, uh, please... Uh, uh, let us know at the Art Support. Email us at arts at citr.ca and tell us if there is a conspiracy going on to make us think that mistakes are happening. If you want to see the show, uh, it's running until the 5th uh, at 8 p.m. Uh, that's at the Colch, at the Historic Theatre at the Colch. And youth uh, aged 12 to 19 with the TELUS Youth Pass can go for $2.00. And uh, that, those are available at the box office. So check that out and let me know if there's a conspiracy happening. Right. Uh, so on today's show, we have, first off, uh, the In the House Festival, which is starting up this weekend. We'll have an interview about that. Uh, we'll also speak to Anthony Kearns, who is an Irish tenor. He did a show recently here in the Lower Mainland, and we got a chance to uh, speak to him. Uh, what else do we have here? We have uh, Can uh, Cantoria, which is a, a CD and a concert, uh, an evening of meditative, relaxing vocal and instrumental music. That's coming up uh, next week. Uh, and as well, Douglas Copeland is uh, donating his archives to the UBC Library, and we'll have an interview on that. So lots, lots to do. But first, uh, commercial break. We will be right back with uh, the In the House Festival. Anytime now. All right, maybe we won't do a break. That would require the computer to cooperate. Oh, there it goes. All right, we'll be right back. The Calgary Folk Music Festival, a dreamlike balance of urban and bucolic, friendly and far out, super fly and earthy. Pioneering musical godfathers and grandmothers, plus rebels, romantics, and revolutionaries of the current decade. July 22nd to 25th at Prince's Island Park. Let the music take you 
around the world. The Calgary Folk Music Festival. Visit calgaryfolkfest.com. Hello. All right, we're back. Uh, so in the house, uh, on June 4th through the 6th, that's this weekend, the In the House Festival is back with a bang. And they're adding a day. Live performances of all kinds are happening right in the homes of Commercial Drive. Living rooms and backyards become intimate and vibrant cultural spaces that are multicultural, multidisciplinary, and open to all ages. Uh, so basically, this is a festival of arts, theatre, dance, etc., etc., music that takes place in people's homes, literally in people's living rooms that kindly donate their space uh, for art. So I spoke to artistic director Miriam Steinberg, and she told me about uh, all about uh, this year's festival and even walked me through the process of if I wanted to use my house uh, as a venue for next year. So tell me about the In the House Festival. All right. So the In the House Festival brings live performance of all kinds into people's living rooms and backyards. So we've got all genres of music, dance, theater, uh, storytelling, circus, magic, burlesque. And uh, yeah, so you're like really up close and personal with the performers. And it's done inside people's houses. Yes. How... First of all, how do people... Who are these people that, that <laughs> give up their houses? And does it... Do they have to move out? How does that work? They're very lovely, generous people. Uh, they actually don't have to move out at all. We just use their living room. If we're using the inside of the house, we just use their, their living room. If we use their backyard, we don't even have to go into their house at all. Just use the, the whatever the fenced-in area is. Mm -hmm. But generally what we do is we come in with our volunteers and we clear out the living room to make it into a theater space. So we take out their furniture and their breakables and their stealables and then bring in our folding chairs and a little PA and sometimes a little stage and, uh, yeah, just really create a, a theater space. Hmm. And what is the, the history of this? Where did this idea come from? Uh, well, a friend of mine came up with the original idea and then brought me and a bunch of other folks on board and we created the festival. The first one was in 2003. And uh, in 2004, it didn't happen for various reasons. And then in 2005, everybody was kind of off doing their own projects. And I was the only one left who really wanted to work on it. So I kind of took it over, developed it, really made it to what it is today. Because we actually have two different things. We have the festival in June. Mm -hmm. And then we have the performance series, which is every fifth of the month from August to May. Mm -hmm. So um, I just really kind of expanded it and consolidated what it looked like. Mm -hmm. So tell me about some of the shows. There are 19 of them spread over three days. Yes. What are some of the highlights? Oh, there's so many. <laughs> there are so many. If you're into burlesque, there's a sexy cabaret that includes some burlesque. There's a salsa show. So you can watch some Cuban salsa. You can learn it. And then you can dance to a live band. Tanga is going to play. Mm, so it's actually interactive. You can, you can join in on that one. That one is totally interactive, yeah. The circus as well, <laughs> the grand finale is going to be Avatar Circus Project. And so we're going to have a 23-foot tower where um, people are going to be doing some aerials. There's going to be some really wicked circus acts and a procession leading into the circus. So that's going to be really fun. Other ones that I'm really looking forward to are... There's another dance show. There's um, a world music show that's going to be pretty amazing. There's one on the Friday night and there's one on the Sunday. Um, the hip-hop show is going to be pretty spectacular. So, yeah, there's there's something for everybody. There's mm. a kids' show, and 90% of the shows are kid-friendly, mm. except for the one which has burlesque, of course. Right. Yeah. Right. Now, if I wanted to use my house next year, how would I do that? You would call me up, and I'd be like, 
great. Can I come and see your house? Then he'd be like, yes, absolutely. When would you like to come and see my house? And I'd be like, how about tomorrow or whenever you're free? And I would come and check out your house, see if it's an appropriate size, and then kind of go from there. And then I'd just kind of explain how it works. And, uh, yeah, so really it's just all about contacting me. Mm. And uh, For some of them, I'm thinking maybe for certain plays, do they try to incorporate the living room? Like, does it ever happen where a play just tries to sort of take place in a house and they come out of the kitchen and they use the place as if it's their own? Yes, actually. Um, Urban Inc. is doing a piece and they're going to be using different parts of the main floor. So I think they're using the kitchen, they're using the living room, the front deck. Uh, we've, I know in November, no, sorry, in the spring season, there's going to be a show that actually takes place, the play takes place in a house. And so they're going to be using that and having the audience kind of around them as if they all live there as well. And quickly tell me about uh, a Canadian Tire Money fundraiser. What is that? Oh, yeah. Anybody who has Canadian Tire Money in their pocket, in their wallet, in their drawer, hidden under the mattress that you know you'll never, ever use, um, send it along. Uh, we It's really useful for us to get things like folding tables, to get stuff like props, light bulbs, electric cords, anything we can get at uh, Canadian Tire mm-hmm. that would enhance the festival so yeah please do donate that uh, to the in the house and you can check the website in the house for the address where you can send it thanks for mentioning that mm, no problem <laughs> thanks very much for telling me about the festival yeah thank you all right that was miriam steinberg of in the house the artistic director so you can get tickets online uh at com. Or at High Life Records on Commercial Drive. They will also be available on days of the festival, but do keep in mind that seating is limited and you run the risk of facing a sold-out show if you wait till the festival to buy your tickets. Uh, So that's June 4th, 5th, and 6th. And the box office is located on Napier and Victoria Streets, and all the venues are in that surrounding area. So check that out. Next on the show, we have uh, Anthony Kearns, who is one of the Irish tenors and is a lyric tenor who has been branching out into opera as well as uh, performing throughout uh, really the world, North America and Europe. Uh, He achieved success at the age of 21 after entering a national radio competition called Ireland's Search for a Tenor. This was run to celebrate the issuing of a new 10-pound note, which in Ireland is known as a tenor. Uh, The only competitor not to have had formal training, he won the event, singing The Impossible Dream and Danny Boy on a city street in Dublin. He did a show in Delta a few weeks ago, and uh, although he is extremely busy, we managed to do an interview. And here it is. What is a, a lyric tenor? Well, a lyric tenor, as opposed to any other tenor, a yeah. lyric tenor is, I suppose, somebody with a, the capability of singing, um, obviously singing lyric music, and if in, in the context of opera, it's, it's sitting in, in an area of the voice that's quite difficult for heavier voices to uh, sustain, so, I mean, it, it floats better, I think. It's, mm-hmm. it's more melodic, more musical, and it's, a, it's associated with the romantic, the romantic roles in opera and in song. As ah. opposed to a guy who stands and just belts it out, who's got a, a voice of metal. <laughs> right. Uh, I was going to ask you about opera because um, 
what is the difference between just you know straight performing and uh, and opera? Is there a difference, or are you just wearing costumes? No, there is. There is a big difference. Um, in concert, you're singing maybe twenty four or five different songs, different styles, different repertoire. It can be Irish music, can be Viennese music, can be operatic music, can be uh, leader, French song. So in concert, it's a different thing. You're jumping from one realm to another. In the opera, it's it's more intense, I think, in the opera. You have, apart from the singing, you're singing in a foreign language, you're singing in French, you're acting on stage, you're in costume. It's not all about you. It's about the overall production. It's about the opera itself. It's not just a solo performance. And you have to uh, hold your own with the rest of them, and it's, it's, it's a difficult genre, and um, you, you have to keep the same... You're in character all the way through. And which do you prefer? I like both. I love the concert platform. It gives you the freedom to... Uh, explore songs that you'd like to do uh, ordinarily, uh, songs that you wouldn't do with, the, say, the Irish tenors. I mean, we tend to stick to a lot of the Irish music and some classical crossovers within the Irish tenors, but uh, on the solo concert platform, I can sing, as I just mentioned, the Viennese and operatic arias and the loved songs and the songs of, that would be familiar with pe- people would know from Mario Lanza and John McCormack of the Irish repertoire. And so it gives you, you have a, you have a big canvas to paint, and you have a broad selection of songs to choose from on the solo concert platform. You're not tied to a strict program. And in opera, you are. You're, you're that character in the opera, let's say, Don Jose, and you have to follow that through from start to finish. Mm-hmm. And it's quite, quite intense, as they say. You, you got your break on this side of the Atlantic on a PBS broadcast of the Irish tenors in Dublin. What was it that set you apart from the more traditional Italian singers like Pavarotti? What was... Um, uh, what was it that struck a chord with audiences about your kind of music in the Irish tenors? I, I, I'd say I'd say it was that we were so good looking. <laughs> <laughs> that must be it. And, and twenty stone lighter. Right. <laughs> <laughs> so that's it. No, I, I, I think you know what the uh, the idea was already in place when when people had seen the successes of the three tenors and they were fantastic and three three powerful men in their own right having completed many operas, Domingo, nearly 100 operas to his credit, which is unreal when you think about it. And Pavarotti with that golden voice, unmistakable sound and quality. They had really opened up an, an opportunity for other singers. And when PBS and a, uh, a company from Ireland were meeting in Cannes to discuss projects, they thrashed out the idea of having three Irish tenors because of, I suppose, number one, the, the volume of people of Irish, uh, this, of Irish uh, background living in the States and Canada. And secondly, the repertoire that we have. We have such a selection of great songs down to the years from Percy French to Thomas Moore to the contemporary songs and, of course, songs like Danny Boy. And the, and the tradition keeps going on. You have songs like uh, You Raise Me Up, written by Brendan Graham, and Isle of Hope, Isle of Tears, also written by Brendan Graham. So there's a strong tradition of storytelling and songwriting and wonderful music we're rich in, in Ireland. So they saw that opportunity to explore it, and that's how it was born. Uh, I've read that an actor going on stage feels more adrenaline than a person in a car accident. How do you deal with uh, nerves, or do you have any or- it's difficult. I tell you, I've had a, a rush of adrenaline here for the last week singing Carmen, and you're thinking ahead, and you can picture yourself, and I say, what am I doing? Why have I taken this on? And <laughs> there's moments of, what am I doing to myself? And then you have great moments, you say, oh, yeah, this would be fantastic, and you relax again. It's a, 
when we all get together and we kind of get settled into our parts and get on with it, that's the thing. Then it'll start to take shape. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, there is an adrenaline rush. I mean, you have to cope with nerves. Thankfully, touch wood, I don't uh, suffer too bad with nerves. Mm-hmm. I never have. Uh, it's I, I adapt the approach. I kind of get angry at myself now. Get on with it, you know. Stop this nonsense. <laughs> if you start to second guess and question, you fall to pieces. And how do you prepare for a performance? Is it the kind of stereotypical, you know, uh, warm water with honey and lemon and not speaking the whole no, day? No, <laughs> I, I don't do that. I never went in for that kind of thing. The only thing, the key to a, a good performance is if you can rest, you need to rest, you need your sleep, you need to close your mouth when you're not singing and, and get away from people. You need your own space. You can't be out talking and partying and having a laugh and going to dinner. You need to go away and lock yourself in your little cocoon so that you have the energy and the voice and your brain is clear and free that you can get up and do the job that you're being paid to do and deliver as best you can. Hmm. Um, I understand that you got your break in Ireland on a a, a radio contest, and before that you had worked uh, a lot of odd jobs, you know. Um, Yeah, I worked in hotel management, and it was okay. I mean, I worked in sales as well, and I liked sales, and I found I was handy enough at it, and I had had confidence. Mm Mm-hmm lift the phone or to go see people and I mean I found that a, a, that was challenging but um, I always was, I was always singing along the way and I just felt I'd like to be doing something in music and I was trying various talent competitions and mm-hmm. this was another one that presented itself and it was on the national airwaves and I called in one morning and look what happened I got through to the station first of all and then got to sing live on air and um, went through the various rounds of the competition got to the final and was fortunate to win it it was Ireland's search for a tenor uh, back in 1983. So that kind of set me on the road. It pointed me in the right direction. The problem with, with singers today, well, they're better equipped today, I think. Um, not that I'm 100 years old or anything, but uh, I hadn't got the guidance. There was nobody there to say, listen, you need to go to such and such and you need to see this person. So I was trying to find my own, feel my own way through it. And eventually, by default, I met with the right people and uh, started to take voice lessons. And the one thing leads to another. That's how how I got started, really. And do you think uh, it? You say it's. You think it's a bit easier today? Do you think people have more sort of resources? I think so. I think the resources. I was coming from a rural part of Ireland, down the country in Wexford, and uh, the. I suppose the idea would be that you would go finish school and go on to college, or go and get a job and get a real job, as they say. Mm-hmm. And music would be kind of a hobby. I think you really need to be in a city. That's where, where you tend to find that these things take place and, and all the opportunities are available mm. in cities. Certainly, uh, that's the way I found it in Ireland. And all roads le- led to Dublin for me, and mm-hmm. that's where I got the break. That's where the national TV station is. That's where all the musical societies and all the choral festivals and all these things that are taking place. So you're in the mix, you're in with the people. And if you do a good job and you get on, people will refer you and recommend you. And that's really, it's all on recommendation and word of mouth. Well, thanks a lot for taking the time to uh, speak with me today. Not at all. It's a pleasure. That was uh, Anthony Kearns. Uh, Anthony was on Fox and Friends yesterday uh, because it, or sorry, on Monday, as that was the Memorial Day holiday, and he sang uh, Amazing Grace. And here's a piece of that. Amazing Grace How sweet the sound that saved us. 
was lost, but now am found. The North by Northeast Music and Film Festival and Conference takes over Toronto once again June 16th to the 20th. North by Northeast showcases the best new music from around the world across dozens of genres. Rock, hip-hop, punk, country, blues, electronica, singer-songwriter, and more. It's your chance to catch breakout performances from tomorrow's stars. Five days, 50 stages, over 600 bands, plus 35 great music-related films, all for only 50 bucks. Wristbands are now on sale. Also available, full festival passes for North by Northeast industry conferences featuring celebrity interviews and networking sessions. North by Northeast Music and Film Festival and Conferences, June 16th to the 20th, taking place in the heart of Toronto, Ontario. Visit www.nxne.com for tickets and up-to-the-minute festival information. All right, we are back on the Arts Report on CITR 101.9 FM and streaming online at www.citr.ca. Uh, Darker the Sky is a local band, and they are putting on a fundraiser this Thursday, so that's tomorrow the 3rd, at the Red Room on Richards. The funds go to abandoned and abused animals, as well as for Darker the Sky's tour. Our correspondent, Nick Panu, spoke with the band, and the, here is that interview. Listeners, right now we are on the line with guitar, rhythm guitar, and lead vocals for Darker the Sky, Robin Young. How are you doing? And thanks for taking the time to do this interview. Things have really uh, going well for the band, uh, publications in uh, Rockstar Weekly, and uh, a lot of people coming to the shows. Yeah, j just the sound, how everything's evolving, the, the new tracks up on the MySpace. A uh, new album coming out soon. The, the demo is uh, out there being uh, given away at, at the shows. Your fundraiser is uh, happening this June the 3rd. Yeah, uh, how did that all come about and uh, what's going to be happening on that day at the Red Room? Well, uh, to start at the beginning, the first question there, how it all came about, was a dear friend of mine, Sarah, and I were talking one day, and she actually organizes fundraisers, and it's friends who have been fallen ill or foundations that needed money to support their cause, and we got to talking and decided to partner up and and do this together for not only just for the band, but for a non-profit society called Animal Advocate Society. It's a, it is a, an organization that basically takes unwanted animals or animals that are abused in situations and brings them to loving homes. And as a lot of people, they, people love animals, and it's a wonderful cause to be part of when it's horrible to see animals that are being abused, and with, this is a fantastic cause to support. Great that uh, this, is, this is happening. Uh, 
Yeah, before the actual event in, in the last couple of weeks, uh, you, you've been giving away prizes? It is, uh, as I mentioned to you, be off air, you have to go a different route these days to bring people to your shows, especially if it's for a cause. You have to go a different route. You have, there's, there needs to be... If you're not a band that is in stores and on record labels and being bombarded in your ears throughout the radio, you have to try different ways to bring people out. And it's, it's amazing when you have a lot of support behind you where you can do things like the first 200 people to purchase a ticket win a 32-gig iPod Touch. And Gwyn Roberts is the individual who ended up winning it. He was one of the first 200 people to purchase a ticket. And every, everybody else who purchases a ticket all the way up to the, the door actually walking into the venue have the chance to win a 12-megapixel Sony digital camera. So anybody who just comes in, purchases a ticket and walks in is automatically entered into the draw. So it's a little bit of... It. It's a little bit of thank you for coming out, and here's your chance to win a, an amazing prize. Only issue is, is that you have to go up on stage to accept it, and so that brings a lot of jitters to some. <laughs> it is also a silent auction, and we have around $14,000 worth of products for people to bid on. We have everything from the, the big top prizes, a five-day retreat in a Mexican villa. It's it blows my mind how much love there is out there. Somebody donated this five days at a retreat. It, it, it's gorgeous. It's fantastic. I've been looking at photos and videos of it online, and it is an amazing, amazing prize to uh, to bid on. And the great thing about selling auction is that a lot of times you can get into bidding wars with people, and you can get you can have. You can have products or services for a lot less than what they're actually worth. We have Lady Gaga tickets up. We have organic bamboo sheets. We have cameras. We have gift baskets. We have everybody from Starbucks to Joey's Restaurant on Burrard. Everybody, Brown's Restaurant, all these people have donated gift certificates and products and services for this event to help support this cause. And it's an amazing opportunity. And to come out, the doors are at 8 o'clock. And uh, a dear friend of mine, Jessica Beach, is opening before us, and she's going to start off the night for us. And it's going to be a brilliant night, just full of tons of love and support from everybody. And we feel incredibly honored that as many people have shown up to help in this as they have. Actually, I have to leave the, the whole auction and organizing it and getting everything together up to Sarah. She is a beautiful human being who has dedicated the last couple months to putting this together <clears throat> and I this wouldn't be happening without her and and if it did happen without her it wouldn't be anywhere near what it is and she has a lot of people who love and support her and they're also coming out to support this so, so the thing is is that as much as we still fall into the category of like a rock band or rock alternative pop type genre my initial endeavor into the into music has never been about just going and plugging and doing shows it's i write for a different purpose i don't write to be some musician who goes out to clubs and performs i write to bring people closer to to love to expressing themselves in ways that a lot of times they harbor within them and this is an off, an amazing opportunity because there's all this love coming together <clears throat> excuse me there's all this love coming together and 
we get to do a show that really expresses that, and it, it means a lot to me. It's not like just going to the Bourbon and doing a show and and trying to get fans. It's this is the real reason why I I perform. There's a lot of love in the room. Jessica Beach is on at 8:30, so the door it, it's at 398 Richard Street, and this is the Red Room, which is just at the foot of Richards. And the doors are at eight o'clock, and the silent auction opens at eight. The first hundred people to actually come in the door are in for a draw. So the first, yeah, so the first hundred people who show up get automatically entered into a draw for a little special prize, and that's just for showing up. So, uh, listeners, you can check out um, Darker the Sky at their next live performance at the Red Room, which will be a fundraiser uh, raising money for uh, abused and uh, abandoned animals. Uh, funds will help find homes for uh, abused and abandoned animals, as well as uh, help kick off the tour for Darker the Sky. And the first hundred uh, people entering uh, the Red Room on uh, this coming June the 3rd will, will be entered automatically into a draw. And the prize for that draw is... It's to be announced. Okay, it's to be announced. Yeah, to kind of make it a little bit, a little bit of the unknown. Uh, Robin, always it's a, always great getting the opportunity to uh, sit down and talk with you. Uh, and congratulations uh, on uh, how everything is going for the band. Thank you. I really appreciate our conversation. Yeah, looking forward to your show this coming June the third on the Thursday night at the Red Room. Darker the Sky fundraiser is tomorrow, June 3rd, at the Red Room on Richards. And you can hear them perform there and help them raise some funds. Tickets are $15. And you can get more information at their website. Uh, that's www.darkertheSky.com. And by the way, if you have a moment, you really should check out this website because it is beautiful. Um, I, was, I was just blown away by the... Well, you'll just have to see it. It's it's a beautiful thing, and you should check it out. All right, uh, we'll be right back. The Seed Productions Foundation is proud to present An Evening with Deepak Chopra. On the heels of two new releases, the New York Times best-selling author Deepak Chopra will bring his message of well-being to Vancouver on June the 4th. Dr. Chopra is acknowledged as one of the world's leaders in mind-body medicine and has been described as the poet-prophet of alternative medicine. He will talk about his latest works, Reinventing the Body, Resurrecting the Soul, How to Create a New You, and The Ultimate Happiness Prescription, The Seven Keys to Joy and Enlightenment. An Evening with Deepak Chopra at the Queen Elizabeth Theatre, Friday, June 4th at 7.30pm. Tickets online at ticketmaster.ca. When you experience that, you'll be extremely ecstatic. You'll be extremely joyful because this is the real you. And that equals nirvana. All right, we're back. Thank you, Deepak, for those inspirational words. 
All right. Uh, next, we have Why Torture is Wrong and the People Who Love Them. Uh, an interesting title for a play that begins tonight and runs from tonight till the 5th and then next week from the 9th till the 13th at 8 p.m. at the PAL Theatre. Fresh from Broadway, this dark comedy set against the backdrop of America's homeland insecurity holds a gun to the head of American politics. From freedom fries to the feelings of fetuses, nothing is sacred. Hmm. A young woman wakes up to discover she drunkenly married Zamir. Is he insane? A terrorist? Why does it smell like burning butterflies? Could her father be involved in a secret shadow government? Why is her mother obsessed with theater? And why is she suddenly hearing voices? Durang piles the absurdities of family life, torture, and the war on terror into a bomb and detonates. The fallout is something like sanity. Uh, doesn't sound like a drama, that one, I think. Um, I caught up uh, to speak to today uh, Stefano... Oh boy, where is it? Oh my, I'm sorry, Stefano. But uh, I'll read your last name. Uh, after the clip, but I spoke to Stefano, who was acting in the show, and he managed to take some time out of a busy tech day today to tell me about uh, the show, including the title and uh, how it fits in to the whole equation. So, why torture is wrong and the people who love them? What is it about? It's about a young woman who wakes up to discover she drunkenly married Zamir. What's, what does that mean? Um, well, this story takes us on a bit of a journey, and if you, <laughs> if you think about it as a sort of twisted version of, uh, of a Wizard of Oz or Alice in Wonderland kind of a story, uh, set in modern times and with a little bit of edge, that's kind of what you're going to be uh, taking on the journey of. She wakes up and realizes she's been, uh, she was obviously drunk or something the night before, and she wakes up with a guy she doesn't know, uh, who she thinks might be a terrorist or uh, just a bad guy in general of some kind. And uh, the play just kind of goes out the window from there as far as uh, thinking things are going to go normal for her. So it's a comedy. It's definitely a comedy. <laughs> it's, it's got its dark side. And, and tell me about some of the themes. It's, it has to do with sort of um, the, the, the war on terror in the States? Yeah. I don't know if you're, if you're familiar with Dr. Strangelove. Mm-hmm. It's got a definite sprinkling of that over top. In fact, it's even referenced in the play. Mm-hmm. Uh, Christopher Durang likes to play with... Uh, both politics and the stage convention when he plays. So, you know, he, he brings up everyday known pulp, uh, uh, knowledge mm-hmm. and he, put, he embeds it into the show. In fact, one of the ways I like to describe the show is sort of if Quentin Tarantino was got to direct an episode of Leave it to Beaver, he'd sprinkle a little bit of Dr. Strangelove on top and <laughs> you have this play. Mm, sounds delicious. Yeah. Um, and tell me about uh, what part you play. Uh, I have one of the... I'd like to say more interesting characters, but really I can't compare because they're apples and oranges and there's a lot of crazy fruits in this show. <laughs> so uh, I play a minister who also makes porno. I see. So he's got a big dichotomy to play, which most of the characters do in any good, well-rounded play, hopefully has good, strong characters. And uh, mine's a bit more of, believe it or not, the, uh, the normal calming element in the show. As I, as I said, I'm a minister, so he does try to cool things down and bring people... Uh, to, to, to chill. He's always telling people to chill out, man. And um, he happens just to make porno. That's actually his only sort of, in the, from the outside, it's his only bad trait, if you want to call it that. He doesn't see it that way, obviously. Uh, Reverend Mike. So, you know, he's a, 
Reverend from the School of Life. I don't think he's actually ever studied anywhere um, theologically. He just likes to pull uh, quotes out of the air and tell people like, hey man, damned if you do, damned if you don't, man. I see. Now what about, what is the significance of the, the title, Why Torture is Wrong and the People Who Love Them? What does that mean in the context of the show? Well, I like, I think that Christopher Durang likes to play with non-sequiturs and that's there, definitely in the title. And Why Torture is Wrong, it's, it, that part of the title, the way I've seen it is, he, uh, he kind of shows us in a really extreme way what's wrong about torture and he does play with uh, John Wu's definition of torture, uh, who is a, is a lawyer who worked uh, in the States during the Bush era. Mm-hmm. Uh, he kind of defined torture as anything that doesn't cause organ failure. So <laughs> playing with that idea of, well, that's a little too far. And the people who love them out angle is where the, sort of the family dynamic of the play comes in. So it really does that, that two sides of Tarantino and Leave it to Beaver mm-hmm. kind of come into the title that way. And tell me a little bit about what is Twisted Knicker's Equity Co-op. Well, um, Twisted Knicker's reference is uh, one of the shticks that one of the actresses and the characters has in the show where, I don't know if I want to give it away, but her underwear yeah. keeps falling off. I see. And uh, basically, Beth Garner, um, an actress in town, was very uh, enthused by the production when she first saw it in New York last June. It premiered in New York on Broadway last June. And she really loved the show, and so she tried to get the rights, and she successfully got the rights for the Canadian premiere. So she, at that point, started with a few people she knew, some teachers and some uh, other actors, and she kind of tried to call a group together, and uh, we created an, uh, a co-op to do the show. Um, and so the name kind of came out of both the script, and uh, sometimes getting your knickers in a knot isn't worth doing, which is a little bit of a theme in the play, too. She, she's the character of Felicity, which Beth Garner plays, is always trying to not escalate situations, which is kind of a great moral of the story, and would have been a great moral for the last, uh, you know, for the eight-year terms that Mr. George W. was in the office. And uh, I think having this play having come out just after that time in American politics is quite relevant because now we can finally talk about it, right? Mm. Uh, at least in the states, that's I'm sure that's how they feel. I don't know if this play would have been as uh, easily produced, uh, you know, four years ago. Mm-hmm. And you guys have a uh, preview tonight. We're previewing tonight, so we've got a busy day ahead just to get all the kinks out. And then uh, we got a preview audience for $10, t- $10 tickets tonight, and also next Wednesday is $10 tickets. And then we open on Thursday. We run Thursday, Friday, Saturday, and then next week again, Wednesday, and then Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday, with a couple shows on the Sunday. So two weeks run. Great. Well, th- well thanks for taking a little bit of time out of the, uh, the busy tech day to uh, tell us about the show. My pleasure. Come see Reverend Mike, man. <laughs> Healing, dude. Great. Thanks a lot. Check you later. Thanks, Adam. All right. Thanks. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye. All right. That was Stefano Giulianetti. I knew that. Stefano Giulianetti telling us about the show Why Torture is Wrong and the People Who Love Them. Uh, that show will begin tonight at the Performing Arts Lodge, PAL Theater, which is on Cardero and Georgia Street uh, downtown. Uh, There will be a matinee on the 13th at 2 p.m. And this is, by the way, the Canadian premiere of Christopher Durang's new dark comedy. We'll be right back. Strength. Dignity. Respect. Beauty. Self-worth. Safety. Confidence. Choice. Hope. The Beauty Night Society is a registered charity dedicated to helping marginalized women introduce trust, hope, and self-esteem into their lives. This is the 
Through its popular makeover program, the Beauty Night Society has touched the lives of thousands and reintroduced a healthy touch to the lives of vulnerable women throughout British Columbia, creating real life makeovers. Please visit www.beautynight.org for information on programs and on how to help. Beauty Night, because, because dignity is beautiful. I think I was blind before I met you. That's a track from Cantoria which is a concert as well as a CD that uh, that is coming out now and it is it will be I should say the concert will be an evening of meditative relaxing vocal and instrumental music from ancient spirituality for today's peaceful presence I spoke to Mark Fenster about this soulful musical journey that brings together a beautiful arrangement of local voices, wor world instruments, and universal meditation. And um, he explained to me about uh, where the name comes from, and also tells me about how the music can unlock uh, our chakras, and explains how that happens. And here is that interview with Mark. Tell me about, um, first of all, how do you pronounce it? Is it Cantoria or Cantoria? Cantoria. Cantoria. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so maybe let's start with that. Um, why that title? What does that signify? Good question, and thanks for asking. Um, Cantor is uh, is a singer. It's from the Italian cantare. It's also from, uh, from Latin origins, uh, Hebrew, you name it. Um, and uh, and uh, Cantoria is... Uh, Aria, which means air uh, in Italian, and also means song. So, singer of songs, basically. Mm -hmm. Why choose that word? Is that just because it's kind of all-encompassing about what uh, what the CD is, or why why not another title? <laughs> this all started with me uh, doing uh, cantoring soloing at uh, being a cantorial soloist at the Jewish uh -huh. uh, Community Center in North Vancouver, mm -hmm. um, and uh, in uh, in the faith of Judaism, mm -hmm. uh, there usually is a rabbi leading the uh, leading the services and a cantor leading the vocal the singing services. Uh -huh. So that's part of how it came through, and just adding aria to it and using cantor as singing rather than singer, mm -hmm. rather than specifically to do with Judaism. Mm -hmm. And this whole thing happened rather innocently. I never really was much of a... I, I am a very spiritual person, but never much of a, um, a religious man. Mm. Um, and uh, through this process, we discovered a lot of people were really moved and touched by these blessings, by the melodies and the singing, uh, probably having something to do with uh, my eight-year-old daughter, who's actually now nine, uh, singing on these, mm -hmm. um, but uh, on this one particular song to begin with. Mm -hmm. um, but people were really moved by the meanings of them, and because it's this all has to do it all. It, it, the source is the sacred text, mm -hmm. which some call the Tanakh, some the Torah, and some the uh, Old Testament. Right. Let's let's talk a little bit about that. It's um, the the singing is in I think it's in Hebrew, right? It is in Hebrew. Yeah. Now, but it's not necessarily Jewish, no. because there is a sort of root 
to all the main religions. Tell us right. about that. You know, it, it, w while going along this journey, Adam, what, what we found was when these scrolls were originally written, mm -hmm. there really wasn't any such thing as a Jew or a Christian or a Muslim or it was people. And um, when you hear the term Israelite, or the people Israel, in the Old Testament, in the Torah, um, what, the, what it's re actually referring to is the word Israel is actually two Hebrew words put together. Isra, meaning wrestler of or engager with, and El, which means God. So it's people who engaged with God. Uh -huh. God meaning love and truth. If you ask me and many spiritualists, and I mean, that's up for debate, but let's, <laughs> <laughs> it's, that's sort of our vision of it. Hmm. And uh, all of these, all of these psalms, all of these words, all of these sacred texts and melodies were born out of this adoration of the creations of the, of the creator of who we are, what we're a part of, hmm. not to do with any specific thing that you do and thing that you wear and time that you do it and the day mm -hmm. that you rest and the day that you don't and mm -hmm. it, you know these are these came after so is this the is this what is the purpose of of the cd is it for people to um get closer and um communicate with god whatever that happens to mean is that the purpose all that is the divine nature whatever you you know whatever you wish to call it what we found is the, the, this project kind of took us along its path, mm -hmm. and it's just been growing and blossoming as, as, it's, uh, as it's been going. And what we've found is that people do feel grounded. They feel a certain meditative, calm, peaceful state. Mm -hmm. I can't tell you how many people, Adam, have told me that they have it on constant playing, constantly playing in their car, which I think is kind of funny because you're not supposed to meditate in your car. <laughs> <laughs> ICBC might not recommend that. Yeah, but there isn't a law yet. You can't you can't talk on the phone, <laughs> but you can listen to a meditative CD. Um, and what we did was we we found uh, along our travels last year. Just uh, there, there's uh, there's an emblem on the back of the CD that many people would look at and say, "Oh, that's the Star of David. That's the symbol for Judaism. That's the sign for the state of Israel, the political state of Israel, and so on." And actually, no, it isn't. <laughs> it, it has become that. Um, the Star of David, the two inverted triangles. But what it really is, is the sign for the fourth chakra, the heart chakra, which is called Anahata. And it's all about loving kindness, compassion, caring towards yourself and others, and communication with one another. And it really is more about that. Mm. It eventually became used for, uh, for, for Judaism, but that's not what it originally was. Hmm. So, and there are many symbols that weren't originally for what they are now. And uh, it, uh, so this, these blessings all connect to each of our seven chakras. Mm -hmm. And we actually worked with yoga instructors, chakra meditation leaders, and discovered ways to really bridge that. And we didn't really have to do much other than sing. Right. I was going to ask how how does one connect to a chakra like how does one work on that you know oh uh, let's see um the okay thinking about the fourth chakra the <clears throat> anahata uh having to do with the heart and compassion loving kindness um it, the prayer that we brought together for it is called magadlu and the words actually mean uh how how awesome uh are are thou thou how awesome your creations, um, how beautiful your designs, how profound your designs. So it's really about being in awe 
of creation. And all you have to do is sit on the precipice of a mountain or sit by our beautiful ocean. I mean, pretty much anywhere in Vancouver, mm-hmm. so especially UBC. Um, and just take a look at where we are. It's, it's not hard to be in awe. Mm-hmm. And from that awe, you're going to feel a certain amount of compassion, a certain amount of love, a certain amount of adoration. Mm-hmm. That's your heart. That's your heart chakra opening and connecting with that. And that moment of peace, that moment of connection is when, is when you are really with all that is. Mm-hmm. If you want to call it God, if you want to call it nature, if you want to call it the connection to spirit, to the universe, I, I don't. I don't mind any name as mm. long as it doesn't involve a gun because I don't think the way you do. Uh, Tell me about um, the role that uh, that your daughter Zoe played uh, <laughs> in the creation of this. Um, it was a night where we uh, we were uh, scheduled to meet with the leadership at the uh, uh, at the North Shore Jewish Community Center to talk to them about showing them how the studio worked and how we could do the recording uh, that they were looking to do, um, and uh, and. As I was just doing this casual recording with the windows open and just slapping a guitar track down and just doing a quick vocal track just to say, you know, so here's a vocal, here's a guitar, I'll lay down some synth strings. And and there's Zoe coming out of the washroom getting ready for bed saying, Daddy, can I sing too? Sure. She's got a beautiful voice and she's got a real natural musical quality, musical ability. Hand her the microphone, and I just sat there and went, wow, <laughs> this is really nice. And I just played with it. The next day, people were coming through the studio and asking, where can I buy this? Like, what? <laughs> really? And yeah, so that's when the whole thing, okay, how can we make this to be what it really is? And not mm-hmm. just specifically for one type of people, but for everyone. Mm. And it kind of guided itself and showed us, hmm. and that's where it's been going. So tell me about, uh, there's going to be a performance. Yes. Of Cantoria. Tell there me about that. June 10th at the Vancouver East Cultural Center, the Kulch. Uh, wonderful, wonderful place to play. Mm-hmm. Um, it's They now have two, uh, two theaters. One is called the Historic Theater, the one that was originally there. Mm-hmm. Um, they've revamped it. It's absolutely spectacular. Yeah, a very intimate space. Yes, it mm-hmm. is. Um, we're going to be doing, uh, there's an opening act by Vancouver Intercultural Orchestra. Um, Amir Hagigi and his wife, Amy Stephen, are going to be doing some uh, some ancient Baha'i sacred chants, uh, vocals, and, and Celtic harp. Then we're, the Cantoria Ensemble is going to come on, uh, and we're going to do the entire album seamlessly as it, as it is on the CD, starting out with the water drops into the, mm. the singing bowl, tinksha, strings, guitar, vocals, and all the interludes right through to the end, mm. uh, except you won't be able to hit the repeat button and have it all. We're going to go off stage after. <laughs> uh, that's going to be myself on vocals and guitar, Zoe singing as well. We have four harmony vocalists, uh, and we have Adanza doing the, um, the shakuhachi, the Udu, uh, and we have a string quartet from with musicians from the VSO joining us, mm. and uh, Bill Sample on keyboards playing the synth strings to really fill out the sound. Will there also be a bowl with a water dropper? Actually, there will. <laughs> 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 I, I was, we originally think you will just bring the recorded version of, of the, the water droplets, but <clears throat> Pepe said, no, 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 we can do that, and he's bringing a bowl with water, and he's just going to make those droplet sounds manually, and it's uh, he's a magician. Hmm, then after the break, um, we'll 
uh, we'll have a performance by Nathan Aswell uh, with a Chapman stick and vocals doing what he calls conscious music. Absolutely gorgeous music. Uh, you can check him out online, Nathan Aswell, A-S-W-E-L, and Nathan with an E. Um, and then Pepe Danza uh, will be doing some percussive music uh, with some giant Tibetan singing bowls provided by Crystalworks. Um, and then Zoe and I will come back and do a few extra songs, a few couple surprises are there also are in store. And uh, it's shaping up to be a pretty wonderful night. And we're thrilled with the response we've received so far. Perfect. Thanks very much. Thank you, Adam. Thanks for having me on. And that was Mark Fenster talking about Cantoria, which will be on June the 10th at 7.30 p.m. at the Historic Theatre at The Colch. Uh, tickets are $25, and you can get them at either tickets.thecolch.com or at www.autumnstudios.ca, www.autumnstudios.ca. And join us uh, for next week's, uh, sorry, in next week's show, uh, we'll have Mark and his daughter Zoe giving us an acoustic uh, preview of Cantoria. So join us for that next week. Uh, we are flat out of time, uh, so we'll have to show, we'll have to play the story of Douglas Copeland's archive being donated to the UBC library. We'll have to play that next week, I'm afraid. Apologies if you're waiting for that story. Um, that's all we have uh, time for. Uh, thanks for listening. Uh, if you want to get in touch with us here, uh, you can do so. Uh, go to arts, or sorry, email at email us at arts at citr.ca. And if you haven't already done so, please subscribe to our podcast which you can find at www.citr.ca under shows, uh, which you'll find the Arts Report and a link to the podcast. Uh, thanks for listening. Join us next week. Uh, Real to Real is next. <laughs> <laughs>